Hello, everybody. And oh my god, we have a lot to go over. Welcome to the NBA Trade Deadline edition of the NBA Association Podcast. My name is Sam Ruthier, and unless he was somehow traded in a three-team deal that I didn't know about, I should still be joined by Tommy Wood. Is that correct? I don't know, man. I, I hear I might be heading to Orlando. Really? Is a, is a, an oddly protected first-round pick heading back and Jonathan Simmons? Uh, hopefully not, because I don't know how well Jonathan Simmons would do on a podcast. Yeah, maybe he'd be good. Maybe he would be. I, yeah, I don't know what you, would, what you would do with a lottery protected first either, but uh, <laughs> it's yours now. So I would try and package it in a deal for Anthony Davis if uh, if I <laughs> if I made his list before or after the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, we got a lot to go over. It is February seventh. We are at the end of the day of probably. I'm not even sure it's arguable. The most active, uh, perhaps craziest NBA trade deadline. Uh, we've ever seen a lot of guys moving teams. It started a couple days ago. It has gone all the way up through today. Um, there have been some big ones. There have been some big trades at the top of the standings. The Raptors got Marcus Saul, huge. The Sixers got Tobias Harris, huge. Um, the next one I want to say is the Kings got Harrison Barnes, but that's not really a top of the top of the standings thing. That's just more the next one that comes to mind. But, uh, oh, the Bucks got a uh, Miritich at first for what looked like four second rounders, but thankfully there was more involved, or else that was going to be a real heist. Um, <laughs> so there's been a lot. Um, Tommy, at first, just on like a broad level, how do you feel about when so many players change hands? Do you think it's good for the league when it's active like this, when guys are constantly switching from, you know, spot to spot? Yeah, I do. I think it, it drums up all types of interest in the league when you have this type of player movement. And, yeah. you know, I think it's something the league has wanted. You know, for a long time, contracts have been trending shorter. And you've seen superstars, uh, you know, who are not in winning situations agitate to get out of them a lot earlier and a lot sooner uh, than they used to. Um, so I think not only is this something that I like and it's, it's something that I find entertaining, but I think it's something the league wants and I, we're probably going to just be seeing more of it. You know, I think a trade deadline like this, um, you know, maybe not where, where this many players of of this quality get moved, but uh, you know, something of this degree, I think is not going to be out of the ordinary going forward. Just when you see how much player movement we've had just over the past few years. Yeah, it's 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 certainly even though it's a lot and it feels big, like like I said, I'm really pushing for the fact that it's as bad as big as we've ever seen. But um, there's been a lot of player movement the last couple of years. Part of it's that CBA that went through uh, several years ago now, but um, that that ended up making it more beneficial for teams to put players on shorter contracts. Um, so when you're moving contracts and guys around, half the time they're expiring, half the time there's a year left on their deal. It's a little different. Um, I mean, shoot. I, I just, Otto Porter getting traded to the Bulls, that was a bizarre deal. The list just keeps going on and on and on and on. I I, uh, I, I don't even know. I don't even know. What uh, what do you think about the fact that, that the Sixers got off faults? I, I guess that's one that, like, that's kind of a big deal. What's, what's, what's the deal with that? They finally moved on from Markel. Why do you think they did it today? Um, yeah, I think, th- I think they did it today because they don't think his value is going to get any higher. And they're, I think 
this was a trade about cutting their losses. Um, I do think it's kind of, I, I'm a little surprised they weren't able to get back a player that I think is going to be able to help them very much. Jonathan yeah. Simmons is good, but um, he doesn't do anything to their or he only exacerbates their, their spacing issues. Uh, you know, the fact that they couldn't even get a guy like Terrence Ross, someone who could just bomb threes for them. Um, someone who they could have really used is is kind of telling about how low Fultz's value was around the league. Yeah, it's it's interesting that that uh, you don't ask for Ross when you know he was available and when his value, uh, like you mentioned, fits more with the Sixers. But I wouldn't say his value is all that different from Simmons, besides the fact that Simmons has uh, perhaps a harder pill to swallow in his contract. Um, but I guess you know I, I don't know the Sixers see it as a good depth piece and. Certainly, after the Tobias Harris trade, they, they they could just use some more bodies to to fill out the roster. Even though, um, yeah, Simmons is kind of harder to fit next to some of those guys because after the top five, it's pretty thin for them. Obviously, they bring back they they got Marjanovic as well in the deal. Um, they already have T.J. McConnell, who's already playing significant minutes at, at point guard. But uh, after that, you're looking at some really young guys. You're hoping to contribute. Um, is Mike Scott still on the team at the end of the trade deadline? Uh, yeah, he is. Well, I think he's actually going to help them. He's going to help think, with spacing, to be sure. I think he's better than uh, Muscala. I, th- I think he and Boban are both better than Muscala individually, and they're they're both good. They can both play. Scott um, is going to be, you know, in that stretch big archetype. Um, and Jonathan Simmons, like you said, other than unlike Fultz, he will actually give them minutes, which they need, but. You know, in in the Harris trade, they had to trade another one of their their best shooters in, in Shamit. Yeah. Um, the spacing is still going to be an issue for them, and this looks like, you know, their starting five is just going to be so loaded, and it, it looks like the they're really betting on depth not mattering in the playoffs, um, because those five can match up with anybody in the East certainly, and maybe even anybody in the West, um, but. You know, if they're getting killed in the, you know, however many minutes a game when, you know, they have to bring in a, a Mike Scott or a Jonathan Simmons or, or a TJ McConnell, uh, you know, then then that could be the difference in, in winning and losing playoff games. So, it, 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 you know, at first blush, when you mentioned that relying so heavily on the fr- front five, reminds me a lot of the, the Wizards teams at their, I guess now we know it was their peak a couple years ago. Uh, which is sad because that didn't get all that far, but still second round, you know, it was like 47 wins. What a, what a peak, but they were always like, well, we have a top five that just, you're not going to outscore them. But the second the bench comes in, that's when you gotta, you gotta score in in droves because that's your chance to to get above them. Now, instead of it being Marcin Gortat, it's Joel Embiid. So it's a little different in terms of talent. Um, and you can make those comparisons basically across the board. Um, but yeah, it does seem like that all of a sudden becomes uh, something that was a, a, a small problem for them earlier, but now a much bigger problem. Uh, there's going to be some stretches in the second, third, fourth quarters where, where you're in trouble, where you got some matchup issues because you're just lacking depth. Um, overall, though, the deals, the, the Harris deal, the Fultz deal, uh, would you say Philly came out okay? Would you say either Orlando or LA got the better of them? Um, I, I think Philly came out pretty well, even though, yeah, I, I, I don't understand why they gave up two first round picks for Harris. Yeah. That, that seems like a little excessive, um, 
you know, especially when you see, you know, there weren't a lot of first round picks that got moved at this deadline. You know, they did get a, a first round pick back in the full steal. Um, but still, you know, Harrison Barnes didn't bring back a first round pick. Um, you know, other guys like Otto Porter didn't didn't bring one back. I don't think Memphis even got a first rounder for Marcus Gasol. Um, so that's, you know, the, I think Philly overpaid a little bit. Uh, but on the court, the fit is going to help. Uh, you know, Harris can shoot the hell out of the ball. Um, certainly an upgrade over Wilson Chandler in their starting lineup. Um, and it's an insane luxury when he's your fourth best starter. It's wild. It's wild. Um, but you also, now, you know, they've given up a lot twice this season to get him and to get Jimmy Butler. Um, really, you're cleaning the cupboard for two guys who are going to be free agents. Um, so now you gotta, yeah. you kind of got to keep at least one of them to make it worthwhile. And uh, next thing you know, if you keep both of them, you've tied up your books pretty completely between them and the extensions. you got to give Simmons and Embiid. So um, it's a lot yeah, of... Well, Embiid's already maxed out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Simmons is going to be coming up. He'll be doing extension uh, this offseason. He'll be eligible. So, Jeez. yeah, this is going to be their last chance to, to make a splash in free agency. And if they don't, you know, if they don't keep these guys, then it, it, it's a bad look because they gave up a lot for nothing. But if they do, then they'll they'll be completely, uh, completely inflexible for, you know, this will be their team. Yeah. And, and I mean, to, to a certain extent, um, if you want to compete at the highest levels, you need to just commit to a group of guys who you're like, this is our core. We know these guys are talented. We know they can compete at a high level. Uh, but there's also something to be said to, to have the flexibility to add pieces all around. Um, one thing with that, that Harris trade is one of those picks was that 2021 unprotected Miami first, which might be like top five. Um, yeah. I mean, I know Miami never likes to be bad, but just based on like the guys on their roster right now. Also, didn't they end up trading, uh, what the hell's his name? The guy who got the offer sheet from Brooklyn a couple years ago, Tyler, uh, Tyler Johnson. Yeah, he got traded too, yeah, didn't he? He got traded to God. Phoenix. Yeah, they, they actually have a point guard now. This is impossible <laughs> to keep up with, man. Um, also, Houston is apparently under the luxury tax. Did you see that? Yeah. Um, that's the other thing for Philly we haven't talked about is the acquisition of James Ennis. I think he's yep. going to help them a lot too. Yeah, he's going to play. He uh, uh, he should be able to shoot for them. Um, you know, he was, he was disappointing in, in Houston, but he might, you know, uh, that type of system where you just stand in the corner and shoot doesn't always work for everybody. You know, some guys like to, uh, you know, actually touch the ball every now and then and get in a rhythm. Uh, Philly is more egalitarian like that. They move the ball a lot more. Everybody, you know, they cut and pass a lot more yep. than Houston. So, you know, maybe Ennis will be more comfortable there. Um, but I think that was another good get by, uh, by Philly. Yeah, I mean they—they, they, that's a, a team. Overall, Philly just taking a hard look at, at at what was on the roster and saying like we're willing to trade, we're willing to move on from a lot of these pieces to get guys who we think are, are just going to help us get where we want to be now. Um, so it, it's it's bold. Um, it's a lot, but all of this was a lot. Philly's just one example that sticks out because now, um. You know, I think they're I think they're better suited to go toe to toe with Toronto or Milwaukee or the Celtics. Um, yeah, you'd rather have 
all of this frontline talent, ultimately, I think, than a couple more bench pieces. We've already made the case for why those could be valuable, but that's just a lot, man. Harris is having the best season of his career. Jimmy Butler is still an absolute bulldog, and God, it's a lot. Yeah, and and just think about how enormous that lineup is too. I mean, Redick is their smallest guy at yeah. six foot four, and then you've got a six ten point guard, a six seven small forward, a six ten Harris now at the four, and then Embiid in the middle. I mean, that's a lot of size and length that you're going to have to contend with. I mean, that's that's really that's a huge team. It's, it's different, man. I mean, I, the second the Harris trade went through, I was talking to, to a friend of mine at work just about like, how does the Celtics top five guard these guys now? And it's, it's a problem. Um, namely what's Kyrie Irving going to do? I mean, does he chase JJ Redick and get obliterated by screens or does he try to guard Ben Simmons? I mean, Simmons can just take him to the post or Simmons can just pass over him. I mean, we don't know. Yeah. We know he's not going to shoot over him, but he might pass over him. So there's just like a lot going on there. Uh, and not only are they all big guys, but they're all plus defenders. So it's not really an issue on the other end of the floor, even if they're chasing smaller guys around. They're athletic enough. They're all in their prime. Uh, it's it's scary, man. Yeah, they're going to be a problem. So uh, just focusing more on on teams at the top making those big moves. Uh, Man, Stanley Johnson got traded twice too. Uh, we'll get we'll get there in a second. But uh, the Raptors grabbed Marcus All. This is huge, man. This is as big, if not even bigger, than the Harris thing. Because now you've got Kawhi, Kyle Lowry, and Marcus All. They got a and Serge Ibaka. They got a big fucking three. They got Pascal Siakam. They got Fred VanVleet who dropped thirty tonight. Holy shit. So that what they give up to get Marcus All is DeLon Wright, Jonas Valanciunas. I can't remember what else. It was a couple picks, right? I think yeah, I think a second round pick. Let me pull up Woj real quick, but but that's your framework. Um what do you think? I mean, he's got a player option for next year, I believe. So he he whether he's opting in or opting out for right now to the end of this season, what do you think about Toronto giving up those guys I mentioned as well as CJ Miles? And yes, you were right, one second round pick uh, to bring in Big Spain. Yeah, can, can you just imagine? I mean, Memphis not even getting a first round pick. Bizarre. Trading the best player, the most iconic player in franchise history. Come on. I mean, that's, man, they really did wait too long on that. Yep. But, um, you know, those guys aren't going to, you know, Wright actually, he's, I think he could be, he could do well in Memphis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's, he's got some skill. Valanciunas isn't going to do much for them. And just from Memphis's perspective, I don't really understand the rationale of trading Gasol but not Conley. I think, uh, you know, when you trade one of them, it's uh, to me it just becomes time to just go full full on rebuild. And maybe they just didn't they just didn't have a Conley deal they liked. Oh, obviously they didn't, or they would have taken one. But um, yeah, I think I think they're kind of. Uh, I'm I'm just not sure what the rationale is in, in, in keeping Conley um, because they're right now their record isn't bad enough to where uh, you know they're they'd be competing for the absolute uh, top lottery spots, uh, but without Conley it certainly would be. So I guess uh, yeah I guess I, I don't know where they're coming from there. But from Toronto's perspective, yeah this is this is really crazy. Um, 
Casal's definitely an upgrade over Valanciunas as a playmaker, as a shooter, uh, you know, as a as a defender. I think Valanciunas at this stage might uh, be more mobile, uh, but Gasol still has the uh, the basketball IQ that uh, you know helped him become a defensive player of the year. And I, I do wonder how he fits in because their best lineup, their Toronto Toronto's starting lineup with Ibaka center. Uh, has been, you know, their their go to starting lineup and one of their most successful lineups all year. So, do they break that up? Do they start Gasol? And if so, you know, who does he replace? You can't send Siakam to the bench because he's been too good. You can't bench Danny Green. So, does that mean you bench, uh, you know, you bench Serge Ibaka? Uh, but I don't think he's, you know, I don't think his skills work as well coming off the bench. So, uh, you know, if if you can convince do you think they could convince Gasol to, to be a sixth man and still play starter level minutes? Or is that, would that be a no go and they're going to have to fit him into their starting lineup? It's something I myself wouldn't do. Of course, I've never been an NBA coach. <laughs> and <laughs> the only organized basketball I ever played was rec league in college. But, um, but Hey, you managed the shit out of those rotations, man. We ended up winning some games after all. Yeah. Uh, I would really hesitate bringing that guy off the bench, man. He's just gotten used to being a starter and the prestige that comes with it and the rhythms to being a starter. Um, my gut tells me I would I would bring Ibaka off the bench, but but I think you're right that I mean I know you're right. Like statistically, their line the best lineup they have is him at center or those starters, uh, and. You know, the move that maybe most people would say makes the most sense is to just bring Siakam back off the bench because he was already doing it last year. He knows how to do it. Uh, he's been very good, but he'll be just as good against second unit. But uh, the Danny Green thing's interesting. I would just worry that's too big. Your front court's just too big with the three of those guys. Uh, you wouldn't lose that much spacing because all three of them can shoot threes. Uh not to the degree that Danny Green can, but you wouldn't worry about stretching any three, any of those three guys out to the arc. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I think Danny Green's the least likely I'd bring off the bench. Um, it's a good problem to have unless people start getting pissed off. So for now, it's just a great infusion of talent. Um, what, I mean, that's, you're talking about the starting. So looking at the other half of the game, at the end, who do you think he plays next to better in crunch time? Ibaka or Siakam or, or both? And are we back on the taking Danny Green off the court thing? Uh, probably Siakam. I think, you know, at this, Ibaka's at the point of, of his career where uh, defensively he pretty much has to be a five. Uh, and Siakam is just a, a way more versatile defender at this point. And, uh, you know, if, if, if Ibaka isn't going to be the center, I you know, Siakam has just so much more as a ball handler and as a playmaker than Ibaka, so I'd just rather have him out there. I mean, when you look at it that way, why would you want to start the game with two fives defensively anyway? You just, I mean, I think you just have to bring Ibaka off the bench. Yeah. Yeah, you might. I think that might be the move. Either way, though, I mean, what Gasol's going to add to this team, I mean, the Gasol-Lowry pick-and-roll, the Gasol-Kawhi pick-and-roll, with the other guy hanging out on the wing to kick it out with a mismatch or a switch or whatever. Oof, it's going to be fun, yeah. man. They were already playing well. It's going to be a nice little shot in the arm. 
I think as a passer, he's really going to help them too because that playmaking is really one of the weaknesses of this team. Uh, you know, Lowry's been amazing this year, but Kawhi is really not a playmaker. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, uh, that's real. The, that's the one real area where Demar Derozan is, you know, far superior to Kawhi. Um, so when they made that trade, they they definitely downgraded, uh, just in in that respect. So having Gasol there with his ability to, uh, you know, work dribble handoffs and give and goes, uh, you know, passing out of the high post, that's going to be a huge, uh, huge help for them. I think that's a great point. Um... There are some times, you know, I saw earlier this year a compilation of all of the Raptors' like crunch time plays, and it's literally Kawhi repeatedly dribbling to the right wing and taking threes or long contested twos. So having that other option is huge to be like, all right, well, how about we inbound it to Gasol in the post? Uh, from there, you know, maybe it still ends up with Kawhi taking a shot from the wing, but this time it's not in his hands the whole time. You got another threat for teams to worry about. Um, and that's just all of a sudden a lot of passing. Yeah, and and you know if if Nick Nurse, I'm, I'm sure he's he's doing this, but I, I would go back and look at tape of uh, you know Kawhi Leonard's early years when he was playing with Tim Duncan and try to deploy you know Dun- uh, Gasol and, and Leonard uh, the same way they used to, uh, the Spurs used to do it with with Leonard and, and Tim Duncan. Um, because you know they they did a lot of good things together, and and Gasol has uh, at least offensively has some some of the same skills that that Tim Duncan did. All right, I I'm gonna move it on because we got a lot of things to just talk about. I'm gonna give you an option here. You can talk right. about Otto Porter going to Chicago, or you can talk about Harrison Barnes going to Sacramento. Because <laughs> I'd say those are like about on the same level. Yeah, um, you know, let's talk about. Uh, Otto Porter because right. he went from being like untouchable to being a straight up salary dump in the course of a week. <laughs> I I just don't like how why are you getting back Jabari Parker? Like yeah, they were supposed to be attaching assets to Jabari Parker to get him off the team. They weren't supposed to be giving him to a team to get something of value in return. But all of a sudden he's a key piece next to. I mean, look, Bobby Portis still has some great basketball potentially left to play. Um, so that's a good get for Washington, but Jabari is just a waste of space and money. Yeah, he is. And I, I don't know. I, I mean, obviously what happened to John Wall was just totally inexplicable and that, you know, that changed things for them, you know, really soon before the trade deadline, um, you know, trading, trading Marquise Morris too is an obvious, obvious sign of that. But man, uh, you know, you, you I, I wonder if if they ever thought about uh, moving Bradley Beal as well. But it, yeah, this this Porter trade just didn't make sense to me. Like I I just don't. It's hard for me to believe that was the best deal out there for Otto Porter. Um, you know, and that a team like Utah or uh, you know Portland or some other team that that actually needs help on the wing that that a team that Porter could help. Uh, you know, I'm shocked a team like that didn't have an offer out there because Porter does nothing for Chicago. Um, you know, he's a, he's the type of player kind of like, you know, kind of like Jay Crowder or Trevor Ariza who amplifies a winning situation, a good situation, but in a bad situation just, you know, does nothing to, to lift it up. 
you know, yes, he's, he's a really overpaid complimentary guy, but that's what he is. There's nothing for him to compliment in, in Chicago. Uh, it just, it, it's kind of inexplicable to me for, for both sides. I mean, I guess Chicago can say, all right, we got, we got Otto, we got when, when we got a max player, we get, we got a max guy. Oh my God. Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, like let's ride. Yeah. You know, max guys. <laughs> so our, our leadership council just ready to go. Wow. <laughs> I, uh, it's the only thing I can honestly think of. I mean, he's, you know, he's not going to make them, them worse. He, he'll be fine. He's going to do all the things you just talked about. He's a great swing man. But uh, he he doesn't have you're right that those next level skills to to raise a team up. He's just a great complimentary piece. So uh, I, I guess the one thing I can think of on the other side of the trade, uh, Jabari, I, you probably needed to throw in to make the salaries work. Yeah, the twenty million. So yeah. so they had to take him back, and and I believe the second year is a team option, so they'll just yeah. decline it and let him walk anyway and wash their hands of it. Uh, but is this Washington signaling now? Like, all right, we got Otto out now. You mentioned, did they think about moving Beal? Maybe the Beal trade just isn't going to come till the off season. But this is the first early sign that they're like, all right, we're going full tank. We know what happened. We're we're done. It, it needs to happen through the draft now. Yeah, I I, I would hope so. Um, you know, because they've, you know, they still they'll still have Jan Mahinmi on the books for one more Ooh, year after this. God. Um, but yeah, next year is going to be a lost year without John Wall. So they they might as well just uh, you know trade everything of value. Um, but you, know, you raise another good point of why this is weird for the Bulls because Porter won't make them worse. Like he might actually make them better. Yeah. When they're in a perfect spot to uh, you know be in contention for the number one pick, he's probably going to make their odds getting the number one pick worse. It, it, it's not good. It's not good, Cotton. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, there's they must just just believe in Jim Boylan's ability to make them bad. You know, maybe that was the whole contract extension. It's like we'll really make him feel like he's got a long leash. He can fuck things up royally. Because uh, because they're, they're they're they made this move. I don't know. They did it. Uh, yeah, man. Washington's in a weird spot right now. You, I feel bad for for Thomas Sadoransky because he's he's not a bad NBA player, but he's stuck on that roster. I mean, to say nothing of Bradley Beal. Also, yeah. reports came out today or yesterday that Ariza is willing to re-sign there, which I just that's crazy. You know, I, I half expected him to be to get moved too. Um, I, I doubt he'll be bought out because, uh, you know, with like so, you know, with with just how cheap this team has been in the past, there's no way they would pay a guy not to play for them. So. Oh no, I'm I I'm quite sure he'll he'll be remaining there. Um, yeah, but uh, I I just that's such a weird thing to leak. It's like tell the media I want to stay. It's like what? Okay, so so that you can just get fifteen million more dollars. Like, I mean, I I would gladly. Hey, yeah, <laughs> okay, Trevor. Uh, <laughs> but there were rumors for a while that he'd go to the Lakers. Um, obviously, the last time we potted, we went deep on Anthony Davis to the Lakers because it sounded like that was the move that'd be made. Over the course of the week, all the pieces eventually got put on the table, but the Pelicans still decided to pass, which, uh, good on them. Although, yeah. I, I could go on a whole other conversation about how weird and probably not good that is for the Celtics to know that's still on the table for the actual guys on the roster. But anyway, um, the Lakers end up moving on from some young guys anyway. Svi Mikhailuk, who was playing okay, however you say his last name, gets traded. 
Ivaka Zubac. Fuck. I'm, I'm over two there. Gets <laughs> traded. They get back Mike Muscala. They get back. I don't even remember who they moved Mikhailuk for. Uh, Reggie Bullock. Reggie Bullock. So they got some shooting yeah. back. I actually, I like Reggie Bullock for them. I think yeah. he can actually help them because that dude can shoot the shit out of the ball. He really can. Yeah. We talked about that a couple he, weeks ago. He's a good fit next to LeBron. Yeah. What yeah. You- I. Uh, he's. You know, he, he's down a, a little bit this year. Uh, he's slumping to, to start the beginning of the year, but um, you know, two two years of above forty percent from three on good number of attempts before this year. Yeah, he's he's a, a sharpshooter, so he'll work. Uh, I don't get. I mean, I guess they just really wanted to clear out a roster spot, uh, but I don't get the Beasley and Zubac for Muscala trade. Like Zubac was actually really helping them. Yeah, he was giving him good uh, minutes. And yeah, he's probably going to start in uh, for the Clippers. But Zubac is good, and they just kind of traded him for like the, to open a roster spot to sign Carmelo Anthony. You know, I that that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's it, it's exactly what's going to happen though. That uh, I mean, it's not officially reported yet, but there there was the report that like they lo- they opened the spot to look for a bio candidate, and Melo's name is out there. Um, it it's it feels weird. It feels not like the Lakers are in a good place. Um, and and what's to come, and what all these guys now think of LeBron and Lavar Ball coming back out of the woodwork to start talking about things and trying to get all his sons on the Suns, which is a terrible pun. Uh, it's just I'm not I'm not here for it, man. I don't know LeBron signing with the Lakers and letting him sign him to that huge contract. It's like. He must still know something we don't, because if he thought he knew that Davis was coming to the Lakers, well, now none of us know that. It, it seems like they threw everything they possibly could on the table, and the Pelicans said no. So if it's going to happen, yeah. it's not going to happen for two years, and that's how many groin pulls for LeBron from, from now, you know? Yeah, and they're, even with that final offer the Lakers put, I mean, even you know if they were to really offer you know four first-round picks plus – all those players, you know, you probably have to take that. Uh, but even, you know, even if they're offering those six young guys, I still think there are teams out there that can beat that offer because, yeah. you know, we've seen what all those young guys are uh, without LeBron in the mix, and it's not pretty. Um, and yeah, they're they'll, they're young; they're obviously going to get better. But um, if you're just basically absorbing the Lakers team in exchange for Anthony Davis. Uh, there hasn't been a lot to show that these guys fit that well together, or that they're gonna, uh, you know, they're gonna develop into the type of players that you would want to trade Anthony Davis for. Exactly, uh, and that's that's why New Orleans looks good for not doing it. And nobody's, you know, the only thing people uh, that I, I guess could say about them not trading him is like, well, now he's stuck on your roster for the rest of the year. I guess the report also came out that they're going to go ahead and play him, and that's stupid. They it, should not do that. It, it's uh, it's worrisome <laughs> if if he comes down the wrong way, and next thing you know, he's he's got an ACL. Uh, yeah, that's more- <laughs> a very questionable decision. Uh, and I just it, it feels like the like I hope it doesn't, but it feels like the decision that just would come back to bite you in the ass. I really hope it doesn't, man, because uh, I. I guess it's not logic that I see behind it, but I I understand what's happening. They're like, look, you're on our team, you're playing. But 
for you know, maybe they, they want to be uh, like 29th in attendance instead of 30th. <laughs> yeah, it also, but after that, it doesn't make sense. Like, okay, well, if he's going to play, he's going to be one of the top five players in the league. You're going to win some more games. Like, it's you're not doing yourself any any good. I mean, do they do they not own their pick? Like, am I forgetting that? Like, I don't know. Uh, no, I think they. I'm I, pretty sure they own this one. Remember, unless they traded it uh, in the Miritich deal last year. Yeah, well, good thing they have four second rounders now. That'll that'll be great. Yeah. That'll. <laughs> Ugh, I don't know, man. Well, okay, so nothing nothing comes of Davis. Um, not only did the Lakers have a lot of talk in in trade stuff, and we already talked about the Clippers moving on from Harris. They also traded Avery Bradley. Uh, do you think all these moves essentially are them just clearing the decks for for this offseason, getting ready for two max players and making their pitch there and saying, look, we have the right guys on the right contracts that you can come in and be the show and we'll put the right people around you. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's that's what this is all about. Because um, Harris is probably going to get a max contract yeah. uh, next season. And, uh, you know, the Clippers had, I think they had their sights set higher, yet also didn't want to lose him for nothing. So they did, uh, they got a great job of getting a lot for him. Um and and yeah, same thing. You know, getting getting Boban off off the books. Every little bit helps when you're trying to clear max cap space. So, I think that's that's rationale number one here. And I mean, look who's in their front office now. This is Jerry West's mo. Yeah, it's the logo. Um, you know the the the. I mean, I'm always going to have emotional ties to Avery Bradley because he was on some classic Celtics teams. But but really, the guy can defend very well and can play offense pretty below average. So Yeah, it's really uh, falling off this year. What what you're doing is you're just you're just taking his minutes and giving them to the two guys you drafted last year, uh Gilgis Alexander and Jerome Robinson. And I mean I guess Landry Shamet as well because they just traded for him. Uh and they got Garrett Temple and Michael Green for for Bradley and both those guys are, are rotation players and deserve minutes on teams that uh, you know, they're at least above five hundred. So uh, how do you see this shaking up the bottom of the West? Because clearly the Clippers are worse. Um, kind of weird they didn't trade Gallinari if they're just trying to clear the books, but uh, maybe there's something I'm missing there. Uh, the... I think, you know, he got hurt again, so I think oh, they, there might just not be anything out yeah. there for him. Wow, shocking. Daniel Gallinari gets hurt. Um, so the Lakers are now in this that conversation still, and the Kings are still fighting as well. And they got Harry Barnes. Shit, man. What else do they do? I'm sorry. I should I should have this ready. I apologize. They traded La Scala BCR for Swanigan. Uh, they sent Shumpert out to Houston. Yep. Man, Houston and they just got grabbing Alec guys. Burks. Uh, so they so fuck pieces, dude. I don't know. What do you think the the Harrison Barnes fit is with De'Aaron Box and Buddy Ball and uh, the kid they drafted last year, Bags? Uh, yeah, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he takes his player option this off season. Yeah. Um, cause I don't think he could get 25 million, uh, 25 million a year on the open market, but yeah, I think he's a good fit because they're, um, you know, I, I think he'll have uh, kind of a less heavy usage role than he did, uh, you know, in his early days in Dallas. Um, and you know, I, Barnes is overpaid, but I think he's become a little underrated. Yeah. Um, you know, people forget this guy was the number three option on a title team and on a team that won 73 games, um, you know, and that they 
you know, he was the guy who defended uh, Zach Randolph for Golden State in the playoffs. You know, he, he, he took time defending LeBron and KD, um, you know, and, and he, can, he can shoot threes. He can work off the dribble. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to help Sacramento a lot, actually, uh, at, least, at least this year. And uh, I like it for the Kings because, you know, they gave, they, it's a, a win-now move that also doesn't really impact them that much uh, for the future. You know, it's, it's you know, not like getting Otto Porter would have. Um, you know, the Barnes could be off their books as soon as, you know, this offseason. Um, so, yeah, I, I like it a lot for them. And, and it will also allow Bogdanovich to run to, to run their second unit, which is a, a role he might be a little overqualified for, but that's a good problem to have. Barnes definitely uh, is, is valuable, not as valuable as his contract suggests. But like you said, he's done a lot of different things in some pretty uh, high-profile moments before. Some good kind of experience for the for the roster to get. Um, it the, His contract is just not, not a problem because they were, like, I think the last team in the NBA with cap space this year. Uh, so, I mean, they would, would be the only team to, like, fill nothing into something in that way. Um and it, the kind of guy who who maybe you know they would never have a prayer of getting in free agency, but but bring him here, let him take a look around. Maybe he'd want to stay. He's from North Northern California anyway. He's talk about that a lot when he was in Golden State. So meanwhile, looking at Dallas getting rid of him. I mean, this whole trade or this whole trade period for them getting Porzingis, moving off of uh, DeAndre, moving off of Barnes, seems to be them kind of being able to amass talent and press reset on some mistakes and now they're sitting pretty they're looking pretty good to be a a contender in the years to come yeah uh i mean opening up a max max space for the offseason doesn't hurt either um you know i'm i love the on-court fit of of Doncic and porzingis i think it's going to be uh almost unstoppable i'm i'm so excited to to see that um you know, I, I do wonder, um, you know, if in trading three first-round picks in the next six years, they didn't hamper themselves a little bit just in terms of their ability to actually build around those two guys. Uh, you know, because they have not drafted well in the first round in the past historically, you know, until they got uh, guys like Dennis Smith and, and Luka Doncic back-to-back. You know, they, they'd been a pretty weak drafting team. Um you know, and now they have less margin for error. Uh, you know, they have been good at finding quality players on the margins. Guys like Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleber, Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, J.J. Barea, Jalen Brunson. Uh, that's impressive. But now, you know, they have to find those guys. Those guys aren't, aren't a luxury anymore. That's really going to be one of the only ways they, they can build their team once they max out Porzingis, you know, once they max out Luka, um, you know, they're. They, I feel like they they might have limited their flexibility a little bit too much, just in terms of you know getting guys on the timeline of their two young stars. But on the court, uh, the fit should be seamless. What do you think of of how the Porzingis deal ended up ended up looking on both sides? With, uh, I mean, obviously they get him and and whatever you need to do to get that, it, it, it's it's good and and you could say Dallas won, but. They also take on Hardaway Jr., um, which is kind of a bit of an albatross, although he's much better player than some of the other albatross contracts we've talked about. 
And what do you think about the Knicks getting back those first rounders and then uh, Dennis Smith Jr., who's still got a, a bright future ahead of him and really could use to change scenery? And DeAndre Jordan, who apparently they're keeping, they're not going to buy out, but Matthews does appear to be a buyout candidate, if I've seen that correctly of late. Yeah, I think I think he went to Indiana. Um, yeah, was, was what I saw reported. Um, but yeah, for for New York, uh, it, for the circumstances they're in, it, it's good. Uh, I guess getting those first rounders is good, but I, I just can't help but feel it, you know and. It, I, I guess opening up cap spit two back slots for next uh, next offseason is good, but that's really counting. You know how this trade looks is really going to depend on who they sign with that money, and you know that there's no guarantee that it's going to be Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving like they hope it is. And I, I feel like for New York, a lot of this trade was you know making one mistake to undo past mistakes. Uh, you know, they didn't have to give Tim Hardaway Jr. that, that offer sheet. Uh, they could have drafted Dennis Smith Jr. last year. Uh, you know, maybe Porzingis doesn't want, uh, doesn't ask for a trade if he's been playing next to Dennis Smith. Uh, and, you know, the team has had, you know, more flexibility because they didn't sign Joe Kim Noah and Tim Hardaway Jr. You know, they didn't trade for Derrick Rose, uh, stuff like that. So I, I feel like, uh, you know, the Knicks really back themselves into a corner and this, you know, trading the best young player they've had since Patrick Ewing uh, was, the, is kind of the ultimate consequence of their, the bungled handling of this franchise, uh, you know, over the years. And, um, you know, I don't, it, it, it remains to be seen if, if this is going to be, you know, the end of that period of Knicks history of, of, of bumbling and, and mismanagement, but yeah, something tells me that it won't be. And, and that, uh, you know, this summer they're not going to get who, who they think they're going to get. And, uh, you know, at the start of next season, we're just going to wonder what the hell they were, they thought they were doing. KD being so grumpy the last few days after the Porzingis trade. Do you think that's him being grumpy because like he ate some bad sushi? (laughs) Do you think that's him being grumpy because the Knicks made it too obvious that he already told them he's going there? Or you think he's grumpy about something Ethan Strauss wrote? <laughs> I think <laughs> I think it's a lot of that. Um, you know, he's he's talked before about how, you know, he likes talking, uh, likes talking the game with the media, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't like talking about the drama and, and the rumors. Um, I think he's naturally kind of a defensive person. Um, and this, you know, if you're sensitive, uh, you know, this time of year, uh, is going to bring that out in you when, when half the league is getting traded and when your status is speculated about, you know, year after year after year, uh, it, it, it great on you. So yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not surprised that, that, uh, he snapped a little bit. I don't, I don't blame him. What do you want to talk about? Uh, it's all been me so far. What haven't I brought up yet that you're like, let's go here? Uh, we still haven't really talked about the Bucks. Yeah, we haven't. Um, Miritich. They did a lot. Uh, to get Miritich, they did the trade to get them Stanley Johnson, too. So there were, there were deals before deals. Yeah, and it's really big. I think, if anything, this might be the most uh, 
you know, the, the most impactful of, of the moves that the uh, uh, top East contenders made because they got a guy who I think is going to seamlessly fit into their system and into their rotation. For sure. And they really didn't give up a, a ton to do it. You know, they, all they gave up was uh, Thon, Thon McCurr. Uh-huh. Um, he was their, uh, you know, he was their backup center. I still like him a lot, but the talent upgrade from McCurr to, to Miritich is huge. And he can fit in a ton of lineups. You know, he can play, you know, a little bit of three with Giannis at the four and Brooke Lopez at the five. He can play at the four with Giannis at center. Uh, he just unlocks a lot of versatility for them. Um, and his ability to hit and create shots is really going to help them. And, you know, get, getting for, for, I mean, yeah, the, the four second rounders they gave up are no joke, but to not have to sacrifice, you know, any player except for a backup center um, is enormous. It already felt to me like a, a good gamble when it was just getting Stanley Johnston. It's like, all right, well, McCurr's not doing what we need or what we thought he'd be capable yeah. of. Um but then to go ahead, go ahead and turn around and make it an even like like a really good fit. You're right. It's 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 well done by that front office. Um, he's going to be able to play well. Most importantly, beside Giannis, but he he's just a guy who's shown over the last few years on several different teams. Uh, he's good and he can fit in and do a lot. And it's easy to find guys to play next to him, and he can just shoot well and score and and bring good basketball out of the guys around him as well. So. Yeah, man. I mean, I I don't know if I'm willing to be with you and say it's like the biggest whatever of all the East teams because I just think Gasol and the Raptors is huge, but the, the difference is Miritich is still like right there in his prime. Gasol has dealt with injuries and the lethargy of playing on bad teams. He just has a lot of minutes on his body. So it's up there, and especially when you're thinking about the fact that the Bucks are the number one team in the East to make such a big move. is It's a big deal. It shouldn't be understated. Yeah, and Meritage held up defensively in the playoffs last year too. Um, so he's he, he's not like uh, it's I I don't think he's he's going to get played off the court at any point unless you know maybe against the Warriors in the finals. But I don't think there's any team in the East uh, you know that you have to worry about Meritage defensively against. Um, you know, so that that's that's big too. And I just I I love the the fit um, and just the fact that. Uh, you know, and McCurr wasn't even really playing for them anymore. You know, he'd kind of been supplanted by DJ Wilson in the rotation. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like this a lot. Uh, and they don't have, you know, he could slot into their starting lineup. He could come off the bench for them. Um, you know, their options there are just are pretty versatile. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that move. Yeah, that, it, it, it's cool. It's fun when there's guys like that who are so good and are fun to watch and fun to see play with other good players get to a good situation. Uh, it's always the cool part of the trade deadline when you just see anybody go from a team that's going nowhere to all of a sudden it's like, oh, cool, well, that guy's actually going to have something to play for now. Uh, that yeah. the, the good kind of culture shock where it's like, oh, everybody's like showing up to practice ready to work. Wow, like this is great. <laughs> yeah, I know. It must be such a relief for him to – Go from you know unless uh, unless he's on this team in two years and he's going through the exact same thing when when Giannis demands a trade, <laughs> but <laughs> well he's just you know I'm trying to imagine also this is guys from Europe and he comes over and he's on the Bulls and they go through all that roster dysfunction then he goes to New Orleans and all this shit happens 
now he's in Milwaukee and he's like, I love the beignets though. Like he's just trying to hold on to anything <laughs> in the culture. Like he loved the fucking New Orleans donuts. Milwaukee's like, here's some cheese. Oh yeah, he gets hospitalized yeah. by a teammate in Chicago. God, he's been through a lot. Yeah, drink a PBR. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess yeah, you're not in Chicago. Don't drink an old style. Um, what is this shit? What is this bullshit? Like this. this is garbage. Um, <laughs> I, um, I don't even know if he has a French accent. I don't. I, I have no idea what what they talk like in Montenegro. Yeah, don't know why we gave him that, but it, it suits him in his massive beard. Um, of the guys, or I guess he shaved it. I don't know. If, is it Ben's back now though? Right. God. Uh, I think it's back. Can't remember. Last time I think I watched the Pelicans play, he had a beard. Uh, of the guys who got traded twice, anybody you think uh, teams are really going to regret? <laughs> Wayne Baldwin, Nick Stauskas, who's been traded, I swear to God, to like a, a third of the teams in the NBA, or Stanley Johnson. Anybody going to look back and be like, God, I can't believe we all passed on Wade Baldwin that day? <laughs> Man, if only I realized how much Nick rocked. Uh, <laughs> Nick rocks! <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what a deep cut. <laughs> uh, no, I think no. Is 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 the short answer. I mean, if anyone, if anyone, it would be Stanley Johnson because he's, you know, he has the most, uh, theoretical ceiling left. But uh, his offense has been going nowhere for a long time. Um. So I yeah I. I I think those teams will sleep soundly. Yeah, no, me too. It's another part of, uh, you know, I just wonder what goes into that. Like, maybe the team was trying to package those guys. One team ended up with them, but another team had really been coveting getting those two assets, and it just works out that the middle team didn't care. Like, just needed to take those to facilitate the deal. There, That's, like, the other side of, of trade deadline, or at least, like, today, like, Big moves, big moves, big moves. And then it's just like, oh, well, we, we need to make this deal happen. So next thing you know, these guys have been on three teams in two days. And, like, it's like just half the guys who get traded get bought out or waived or whatever. Like, it, it's, it's an interesting backside to it as well, how teams have to facilitate these deals. And, like, I knew – I it was reported yesterday that the Celtics it, it probably didn't have any moves on the table, but they were definitely going to end up tra- trading Jabari Bird just – so uh, whatever team received him could waive him, and then they would put the Celtics far enough under the tax that they would make more money than they would have. I mean, it would it would save them the money that whatever that trading him instead of waiving him. All these kind of like cat minutia, but uh, that happens on the trade deadline too. I don't know. I rambled for a bit there, but it's the interesting underbelly. Yeah, uh, you know we haven't talked about. Uh... I want Shepard on the Rockets either, but oh, I think yeah. he's going to help them. Um, he was quietly having a bounce back year for the Kings. And, uh, you know, I think he's probably an upgrade over Ennis. Um, he's, he's certainly he's bigger than Ennis. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he slots into their starting lineup. Um, yeah, it's, it was it was crazy and interesting. You know, going back. Uh, you know, and we we've seen crazy trade deadlines before, like the one where, you know, Isaiah Thomas and Goran Dragic got traded that you know the literal last minute. Um, but this one, man, going back a week ago, it's just it was just a week of constant, you know, one crazy move after another. Um, it was it was fun. Yeah, no, it really was. Um, and yeah, the Rockets thing, just on the whole, the fact that they've now grabbed Shumpert. 
uh, Austin Rivers and Kenneth Fareed, just with by various means. Uh, it's exactly what we, you assumed at the beginning of the season when the roster just didn't look complete. But even with that in mind, I mean, Daryl's done a great job just grabbing actual pieces who will play well. I mean, we know Fareed and Rivers have played well against next to Harden. Uh, remains to be seen if the same goes for Shumpert, but but chances seem good. He's been playing pretty well in Sacramento. Um, yeah. So that that's that's cool. They they feel a lot more dangerous with with those pieces over the last couple months, or especially Shumpert today. And when we have our uh, you know our obligatory uh, you know Rockets talk every week, you don't have to wonder if Marquise Chris is finally going to break into the rotation anymore. He's gone, dude. He's get the Marquise Chris <laughs> trade demand worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Marquise Chris watch is over. You can say a lot about Marquise Chris versus Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis will probably come out on top in most of those, but successful trade demands, score one for Marquise Chris. <laughs> What's he on the Cavs now? Is that what happened? I think. He's a Cavalier. He's gonna have to now he's gonna be on the bench behind Kevin Love if he ever gets back. Poor guy. Godspeed, Marquise. <laughs> Okay. All right. We're. I don't know about you, T Bone. I'm running out of steam. What else, What else is there? What What else are you trying to shine a light on before we wrap this thing up? You know, I think we. Uh, I think we pretty much hit it all, man. It was pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I think a lot of those teams on the top at the top of the West bracket were pretty smart to to stand pat. Um, but man, the East. It's like every. You know, every team was just loading up, not only to, to take on each other, but to take on whoever comes out of the way. I mean, the the playoffs, especially like the, the top of the East playoffs, just got a lot more fun. And I can't wait to see how all this all this plays out. Yeah, you definitely get the sense that these East teams all are saying, we, we have a chance to get to the finals. And when you get to the finals, anything can happen. Um, yeah. And that, that's the first time felt that way about more than two or three east teams in quite a few years because it was always just do you really think you can possibly beat lebron but not anymore now lebron's just trying to find somebody to sit next to him on the bench and uh he's got plenty of time you know they did beat the celtics tonight those bad did you see that game no i was at work oh, all the way up till God. you know yeah uh, i saw rondo beat what beat him on a buzzer beater little shit yeah i was i watched it live it was uh it was absurd the lakers had no business uh being in the game and they, they got back in the game and then completely bungled the final possession where uh, Horford blocked Brandon Ingram on a drive and then nobody could get their hands on the ball and guys just fumbled the ball around until it somehow ended up in Rondo's hands and he made a crazy turnaround fallaway jumper at the buzzer. That's so dumb. <laughs> He must have been. He must have felt so good about hitting that shot in the fucking garden too. Whatever. According to ESPN's Instagram account, it was his first career buzzer beater. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> whatever, man. Whatever. Do you? You do you. Uh, just yeah. looking at the box, it looks like the entire Celtics bench was at least eleven points above in plus minus, and every Celtics starter was was negative. Uh, double digits except for Tatum was minus two. So the Celtics bench was just beating the crap out of the Lakers, and I guess that wasn't enough when it came to crunch time. Um, okay, we are going to wrap this thing up. Um, but what a deadline, and what a week, really, going all the way back to that Porzingis trade, which is over a week ago. Um, and, hey, the Patriots even won the Super Bowl. How about that? 
um, I'll take it. I'm okay with that. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you got to bring that up because uh, you know you've never been able to enjoy something like that before. So. No, man. The Boston Championships. You know. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna try and go anywhere with that. I just. I shouldn't have even brought it up. I'm gonna get struck by lightning when I walk out of my house tomorrow. Did you see? Man, I. I have to say though, that was. Uh, I've never watched a Super Bowl that actively bored me into into turning it off. Um, yeah, dude, that was my friends and I switched over to, to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Wow, I uh, I waited till after the game to play Smash, um, <laughs> but I also played Smash that night. Uh, also, after taking the entire month of January off from drinking that weekend, I I did drink some beer, and that night in particular, there there were several. I'll tell you that much. Um, I can imagine. Yeah. I, I wouldn't quite say one for every punt in the Super Bowl, but I, I the numbers I don't think were that <laughs> you far You might not off, be man. here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I might have been traded to the uh, the great podcast team above. Uh, <laughs> last thing, uh, the so we record all these podcasts on Anchor.fm, and I got an email yesterday. This, this is probably the first you're hearing of this, Tommy. I don't know. Um, Anchor has been acquired by Spotify. We now we now make a podcast for Spotify. Excellent. Um, yeah. What I mean, whatever that means, it means nothing. But <laughs> but uh, I think it was already on Spotify, the podcast. Anyway, I'm not sure. It certainly will be now, uh, unless they make us pay for that. At which point, it, it will not be on Spotify. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I have no reason to believe it won't still be available anywhere. Folks have been listening to the podcast, so. Please keep doing that. Stay subscribing. Uh, rate us. It's cool when we get ratings. Uh, just just to know that we exist and we're not shouting into the ether. But uh, ultimately, uh, basketball is good. That's that's where I'm at here, folks. And uh, I like to watch it and I like to talk about it. Tommy, any final thoughts on your end? Yeah, the basketball gods are kind and they giveth many blessings. They are benevolent, our basketball overlords, um, except for when Ethan Strauss writes an article about Kevin Durant, then all hell breaks loose. <laughs> God, how weird was that, calling that guy up by name? What are you doing, Kevin? Um, yeah. yeah. Just, just use, use your burner for that. Yeah, use, use the burner Twitter account, or Insta, I guess, these days. Okay, folks, thanks for listening. We'll be back soon enough. Um, start. I'm sure we'll have some buyouts to talk about. Carmelo will be hoisting up some mid-range and the old wine and gold. Uh, and that'll be fun. But for now, thank you for joining us in the NBA, uh, the Association NBA Podcast. Uh, and we'll talk to you again soon.